0: well good morning and welcome to the automotive hour i'm your host lewis aldizan with mr brian terry hey, between tools we'll try to answer any automotive questions you may have just give us a call it's 291 and you use the area code here in baton rouge louisiana which is 225 you can reach us from anywhere inside the continental united states this morning there you go and we sure wish you would we all enjoy hearing from people talking to all uh, folks out there who are listening There you go. Gives us some ideas about things to go on with. (laughs) And should you happen to miss your prime opportunity to get a live answer this morning, you can always go to our website and get your questions answered that way. The address is www.agcoauto.com. That is A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. There is a contact bar on each and every page. You just click the button, and a little form is going to pop up and fill it out with all the correct information and send it in. There you go. Couldn't be any easier than that. Get it on out there, and we'll get it right back to you. There you go. And we got a lot of people who do avail themselves of that service. Yes, we do. I normally get anywhere from 4 to 10 email a day Uh just from different people, sometimes more than that. I mean, sometimes it's 10 or 20 a day. Right. And it can take quite a bit of time to answer them all. So if I happen to be on vacation or whatever you may not get an answer back immediately because i'm doing other things uh-huh. if i happen to be at the shop or wherever a computer is available yeah, computers available then it's a lot faster i'll you'll get an answer right back to you but that's the only other way to get an answer correct please don't call the shop because everyone there is dedicated to serving the customers that are there and we don't have time to come to the phone and just answer questions that 's why we do the radio show and that's why we have the website <laughs> uh, with all the <laughs> with a way to do all that so that's the way to get your questions answered yep and of course today be just a perfect way to do it too as well. Fine and early got plenty of time to get you a great answer, it. and you know I thought we'd talk a little bit today about some of the things that folk have seen yeah you know, and and have hadn't had the wherewithal to have repaired yet? Yeah. Let's see, I see our phone lines are lighting up. Those right. cool phone lines. We got Mark online. Good morning Mark. Hey Mark, you there? Oop. I'm not able Mark if you uh just hang on there, we've got a little bit of technical difficulty. Let's try it again. Hey Mark, you there?
1: Hello? Yes. Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah. Yes, sir. Hey, how you doing? Doing Good. great. Cool. So a neighbor of mine who lives a couple of streets away has got a Ford Z Tech, I think it is. Okay. And the other day she came over and she's like, Oh, I think my car needs some oil, Can you have a look at it? So I was like, Yeah, yeah, sure, I'll have a look at it. So I went over Open the hood, and the car has no oil filler cap, and half the engine bay is covered in oil. Hmm. <laughs> so I was like, "Yeah, I think you might need some oil." Yep. Yeah, <laughs> somebody left the cap off. Yeah, well, she—I think she was trying to check her oil. I don't know why she took the filler cap off though, because she said she didn't put any oil in it. But hmm. yeah. she unscrewed it, she unscrewed it, and then just put it back on without screwing it in.
2: Uh-huh. So it uh-huh. must have
1: been shot off by the pressure and, and yes lost. Right. Uh-huh. Um, but then the, the problem we had was the car was parked sort of facing downhill, mm-hmm. and the dipstick was showing it was nearly full, but the dipstick goes in right at the front of the engine. Right, surface, correct. So it's it's got to be level to an
0: accurate reading.
1: Exactly, yeah. And she said to me that she'd checked the dipstick the night before, and it was showing on, on, on what she thought was a flat surface, and it was showing just above the minimum. She went, oh, and I've got some oil, and she pulled out this, can of oil that was completely the wrong oil for the car uh-huh. you know, but it says petrol and diesel engines on it surely that's the one I like, <laughs> yeah, that's not, not quite how it works so anyway um i went to ford got a new filler cab got the correct oil came back and i was like okay well you said it was just over the minimum so let's put half the, quart in, the quart mm-hmm. a quarter a a litre isn't it yes sir yeah that seemed like it should be about right and then we drove it round to my house which has got a flat driveway left it for 15 minutes and then checked it, mm-hmm. um, but when we checked it, it was just above the maximum. Okay, uh, somewhere along the line something went wrong. But I was just wondering, it was two mil- it was about two millimeters above the maximum. I, mm-hmm. I don't know what that is in inches, but A little
3: bit I uh, that. okay, well,
1: yeah, maybe sixteen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, okay, well, I don't know if that's bad or not.
0: That really wouldn't hurt anything, Mark. I mean, there are limits to everything. If it were half. You know, it was, 13, it was that half again, yeah, thirteen to fifteen millimeters above, it would be a problem,
1: right? But okay. just that, just yeah, that I mean, little she,
0: bit, it's probably going to be all right. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, that was all I wanted to know. I mean, she took it to a garage that I don't really trust, and they told her it was fine. i just wanted to make sure. Yeah, out. no, a
0: small amount is not going. I mean, Your know, dipstick is not a precision instrument anyway, and. I mean, yeah. you hate to tell people, hey, it's okay to be off because you're always looking for perfection, obviously, but within limits, a couple of millimeters is not going to really hurt anything. All right. Well, that's good then. Oh, very good. Where are you calling from, Mark? In London. You don't
1: remember me? Of course you Oh, a few
0: times. I do. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Wonderful. That was that was you long- did recognize my voice. <laughs> I- I- <I> <laughs> a long distance call there. <laughs> yeah. Very, very good. How's the weather? Oh, it's hot. <laughs> it's hot. <laughs> I don't know in Celsius, but in Fahrenheit, it's around 95 so oh,
1: yeah we, we have it. one day that was 100.4 i think and, yeah, wow we, that was not good you <laughs> know i was i was
0: in europe not too long ago i guess two or three weeks ago when that heat wave was there and i'm like man this is the reason i came here was to get away from this <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's following you it did
1: <laughs> yeah all
0: right guys well thanks a lot all right Mark, thank you thanks for calling man bye-bye all right. That's Mark Wadham from London. Uh-huh. Uh, very interesting fella. He's, yeah. uh, he really has an analytical mind. I like talking to him. We email back and forth a lot. And, right. Uh, all right. Let's go back to the phone lines. We've got Matt on line. Good morning, Matt. Hey, good
2: morning, Lewis. Yes, sir. Got a question about an old truck I've got. Okay. We've got a, a 96 GMC Sierra with a two wheel drive 1500. Mm-hmm. Got 420,000 miles. Wow. Lot. Okay. So, keeping it up,
0: but mm-hmm.
2: I've got one issue that kind of puzzling me. When I. Drive on the interstate for at least over half an hour, just kind of cruising at a constant speed, 70, 75. Mm -hmm. And then I slow down coming off the interstate from then on. After it's been going that fast for that long, I get a, when I'm slowing down from 15 mile an hour down to stop, I get a clicking sound coming from somewhere in the rear. It sounds like. And it doesn't, it seems like it goes away when I put it in neutral and seems to be independent of the brake. Okay. Any ideas on... And it only happens after I've been driving at a high speed for a long time.
0: Kind of strange. I can't say that I've heard those precise symptoms, but have you tried accelerating and see if that changes it and letting off? Does excel and D-Cell yeah. change it?
2: It gets. seems like it gets worse as it decels. Uh-huh. So it's only at low speeds, and when you speed back up, it goes away.
0: Yeah, I'm going to suspect something in the U-Joint, Universal Joints. reason okay. being, most clicking is something like a universal joint or CV joint because it's the cross configuration is such that as it turns it's speeding up and slowing down. I mean not that you can physically see, but you know, that's just the way it operates. So that would be more likely to produce a click type sound. And the D cell XL would affect. You know, I would probably look at that and it may not be a joint that's failed in the conventional sense. For instance, what we were used to is getting there and grabbing a the drive shaft and twisting it, and there's a bunch of slack, it's worn out. Well, obviously, uh-huh. that's one way they do fail. However, they can fail in such a way that they can get tight. Okay. And there's one or more of the rollers can get tight in it, gall up, and you will not feel it. There'll be no slack in it, but it can start making racket. It can also cause some vibration. The only way to check that is to physically take the drive shaft out of the vehicle and run the U-joints through the phase. You know, turn the U-joint yeah. joint through its phase. And if you feel it uh, tight in one direction, then it's starting yeah. to bind up. And it can be one of... There may be two or three joints, depending on if you have a two-piece shaft or a one-piece shaft, but it could be any one of them can do that. But that would be where I would start looking. That just sounds like, I think if you take the dry shaft out, which is not a hard job, and like Brian said, just rotate each joint through both phases, side to side, up and down. And any tightness, any resistance that you feel in it, it means the joint is starting to fail. And even though there's no slack in it, people have a tendency, the way that something normally fails is what they look for. And if it's not doing that, they say, hey, it's good. But that's not the mm-hmm. case because it can fail a number of different ways.
2: Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll take for some binding then. Is
0: that a two-piece dry shaft or a one-piece? Or do you that's know? That's the, one piece. the yeah. one-piece. Yeah. Well, okay. that's easy peasy to get right. out. So, right. The two-piece has a swing bearing where the two pieces come together where the slip joint right. is. And those swing bearings okay. are bad about going yeah. out and the, making noise. The bearing could make that noise. Also, if it's a one-piece, it doesn't, doesn't have it. And when you, when you go to pull a dry shaft at just a tip, if you jack it up from the rear and put your jack stands on uh-huh. the rear end what that does it tilts the transmission slightly forward so when you pull a dry shave out you won't lose a bunch of transmission fluid oh yeah because if you That's jack it from point. the front or even set it level when you pull the dry shave out you may lose some transmission fluid but if you jack it up from the rear the fluid will run forward and trans and, and you'll save you that mess yeah. you won't yeah. lose if you lose any it won't be a whole lot mm-hmm.
2: yeah well good deal all that right sounds like a plan all okay, right Matt.
0: thanks man all right thank y'all bye-bye oh, boy. all right Two nine one sixty nine zero one is the number if you want to report the Automotive Hour. We're going to take a quick little break. Be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. Ah, yes, Mr. Bigfoot. Huh? Make yourself comfortable
3: on the couch and tell me what has stressed you out. Uh, I'm just a secluded forest dweller, and I like it like that. But every now and then I get these people hunting me down. There's a TV show, jerky commercials, and now another movie. Then I worry about the hype. If they do
4: find me, will my feet be big enough? Well, Mr. Foot, I can't really do much about these people, but I can tell you how to create some peace of mind in your life. Do like me and take your car to Agco once a year for a general inspection. They provide me an honest opinion on the maintenance and repairs I need now and in the future. They can even catch small issues that can lead to big, expensive problems down the road. And the AGCO General Inspection, huh? Oh, one more thing, Doc. Could you tell me
3: where I can find this toilet paper? I've heard wonderful things about it. Here's AGCO's number. Und the name of another store that may ship some TP straight to your cave. Thanks, Doc. Get your own peace of mind and schedule your general inspection today at AGCO Automotive.
0: AGCO, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. If you just join us, it's the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Altazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. We sure appreciate you spending Saturday morning with us. If you have a question or a comment, you just give us a call. 291 6901 is the number. That'll help get you to us. That's it. And, and we still got a lot of time to get you a great answer. That's exactly right. You know, I was driving down to New Orleans with my wife last week sometime, right. and she was going to return. So she was driving home alone. And I was, well, little... anyway, I'm driving down the interstate, and all of a sudden my TPMS light pops on tire pressure monitor system right right and so the first thoughts going through my mind okay so i've got a tire that's low how low is it and fortunately on this particular car you can push a little button it brings up a screen and it shows all the tires it shows what they're supposed to be okay and then it shows what each tire reads okay and i saw one tire was down it's supposed to be 44 psi one tire was down to around 39 and that was the one causing the light to be on so I continued to drive, I washed it, and it went to 38, then it went to 37, then it went to 36 over a fairly short period of time. So I realized that point, okay, this is a pretty bad leak. She's mm-hmm. not going to be able to make it home right. on this tire. But that technology, even though it's fairly complex, in that instance was useful to me. Uh-huh. I was able to gauge how fast the tire was leaking because if it had held, you know, it may have been slowly leaking to get down to the, the threshold threshold to take right. the light on. But if it didn't lose any more air, Over the period I was driving, then it probably would have been safe to go ahead and just drive it home rather than have to pull off, put a spare on, which is kind of a big ordeal. So there are times, I know we argue a lot of times about technology and all the complexities and all that. There are times when it is a useful useful function. Now, in this case, the fact that it gives you live readings and all is really not any more complex of a system it's just a little software it's just software i mean it already has that information in it it's just the software it needs to be written to provide it to the driver right not every car company gives you that information no No, they don't they may only say a tire's low or they may say the right front or the left front or whatever or it may just be a little light that comes on right on the dash some of them just throw a light on you got to figure out which tires Uh so it's not a lot more complex it's just what the car company allows you to see sure you know, I was talking to a guy the other day, and he was saying it would be really nice to have a temperature gauge so he could look at his automatic transmission temperature, and that information is in there. Right. It's With, just not provided to the driver. It does not provide that to the driver, and for the most part, there's no way for you to access it unless you have a scan tool Correct. or some type of a reading device that can go and read the OBD2 data. Well, because the PCM is already monitoring that information. Mm-hmm. It's there. Yeah, knows it, It's, it's there. already there. So it's just a matter of, like you said, providing it to the driver in form of a gauge or a digital readout or, you know, a light for overheat or mm-hmm. however they want to display it. And I realize there's only so much room for displays and things on the dash. And they don't want to overly alarm a driver by constantly giving him uh-huh. Too and much information. There are probably guys like oh, that, myself that drive kind of, on that. Yeah. yeah, I'm kind of a gearhead. I like seeing all that stuff. However, right. the next person is just annoying to them. More or less like certain systems that are annoying to me that someone else may really like. Sure. For instance, the lane departure systems on most of your cars, I find them somewhat annoying. Well, not only are they annoying, but they are complicated. Yeah. Extremely complicated the way they work. And like you said, very annoying as far as mm-hmm. you know trying to drive like you normally drive. You know, I had I came back in, I flew out of state over the week and uh-huh. I got back to the parking lot where my car was parked at the airport and there was a bmw sitting right in front of my car okay they had, someone just stuck it there and what they do is they leave the keys and stuff in them because a fence lot and the driver from the little shuttle bus gets out and he tries to move it and he can't move it okay he just can't put it in reverse so he says um do you know how to do that so well, i'll take a look so i get in there and you know you it's a little paddle on it you slide it back to reverse but it immediately jumps back to park okay and there's a little button on the side of the knob that you have to push. That you have to push the brake at the same time, and you have to continue to hold that when you move it back. Oh, geez. Yeah, I mean, it took us about five minutes to figure, figure this it out. out. Yeah. So just how to move it again, just complexity, and somebody has to figure out how to use all this. So once you right. got it, I guess it's okay, but it's it's weird. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go back to our phones with Mike. Good morning, Mike.
2: Good morning, gentlemen. Hope you're doing well. Doing well, I, yep. Good. I spoke with you last week. You helped me out, 2005 Hyundai V6. Okay. You were right, Lewis. It, it wasn't the mass airflow sensor. Okay. It's just kind of when I disconnected it, I uh-huh. had to reset the uh, computer module.
0: Mike, so, that fools professional mechanics all the yeah, time. Yeah. Don't get okay. me wrong. So.
2: Well, here's my question. Mm-hmm. I know you hate throwing parts at things, but my problem is I got a great junkyard right around the corner, uh-huh. and I don't have a mechanic. Uh-huh. So it might be like, if possible, worth it to me to throw a couple of parts at it, if you had some thoughts on that, or if I should just really get it to a mechanic and, and be done with it.
0: I think it's probably going to be faster and cheaper just to get it to a tech and have him check it and take even if you want to do the repair yourself thereafter, just to get it diagnosed because you may put another part on. And again, it may clear up for two or three days. And so you're going through this big learning curve and you're still not really gaining any information Not only that, but parts differ so much. Even though the car appears to be exact, this one may have a different option, and you could probably do some damage if you put the wrong part on. For instance, air fuel sensors on some vehicles and then oxygen sensors on other vehicles look very, very similar. They may even, under some conditions, connect, but they could damage the computer because they operate totally different. So I think you would be best off if you could find the right shop, and I know that's a very difficult task. You have to find somebody who has a diagnostic culture. One way you can kind of tell, if you call the shop and you ask them, would you be willing to diagnose the problem if I am willing, if if I wanted to repair it myself, and shops that don't want to do that is the wrong shop because they're making their money on selling you stuff. And so, obviously, they don't want to do the diagnosis if they can't sell you something. A shop with a diagnostic culture is going to be glad to do that because, hey, they're in the that's diagnostic business. That's what they do. Right. And if you fix it, I fix it. Because I get paid the same whether I'm diagnosing or fixing. And that, and if you ask the way they charge, generally shops that have a flat rate fee, for instance, well, it's $89, $99, $100, whatever, to diagnose it, that's probably not anybody who can fix the car. You're generally looking at someone who will quote you a rate per hour, tell you we charge in tenth of an hour increments. We can get to a certain point, stop and call you and let you know exactly where we're at so it's not just an open-ended deal. But these are the kinds of things you're looking for to find the right kind of guy. Also, where I find a lot of times you want to stay away from franchise-type places, and I know somebody's going to get mad about that and give me a call, but as a general rule, the franchise type places that you see, you know, they have multiple locations, multiple states. Now, that they're not as diagnostically heavy as an independent shop would be. Dealerships can be okay. Sometimes they're not. Just depends on how that one is structured. My personal favorite, if I don't have anything else to go on, is to find like a Bob or Tom or Joe's repair shop where I can go in and talk to Bob or Tom or Joe. You know, the guy that owns the shop is right there, and particularly if he works on cars himself. That's generally going to be someone who is going to give you a, a more of a diagnostic sort of a uh, experience as opposed to bigger operation. And again, this could be a big operation, but that's the kind of thing I want to walk in and talk to a guy who knows something. But if you can find right. that, I think it would be cheaper. I mean, if you just had to try throwing something at it, you could try the uh, air fuel mixture, excuse me, the air fuel sensor. It could possibly be that. But again, it could be so many other things. Also, make sure you don't have any kind of an exhaust leak, Anything. not only from a standpoint of noise, but one where it's not making noise, but it's leaking air into the exhaust can because cause it, that. It changes the mixture that the O2 reads. Right. Even a vacuum leak. We'll could be causing them. something like that an injector that is leaking down your know, injector regulator where it's leaking fuel into the manifold any one of those or, things is going to vastly or a temperature gauge the, the, the computer is seeing a temperature gauge i'm sorry temperature the computer is seeing the temperature sensor thank you that is not in reading in the correct range let's say the temperature sensor is sending out a minus 40 degrees right well the computer is going to think the motor's cold so it's going to double pulse the injector right it's going to flood it out to make it run rich yeah anything that anything that, anything that confuses here is one of the big big inputs mm-hmm. for fuel calculation so if like brian was saying most vehicles have at least two sensors they have one for a gauge if it has a gauge or, or a, light. a light if it has a light and then they have one that the computer looks at and it doesn't matter that the engine is at the right temperature if it Reads wrong wrong. it's going to think it's at the wrong temperature right computers only go by what they think is going on they They don't know anything about the real world if that sensor is sending out the wrong signal then it just assumes that it's the correct signal now if that sensor went out it broke a wire broke then it would know hey i'm not getting a reading from this sensor then it would turn a light on or something but it could set a circuit code under some circumstances right but, but if it's reading out of range it's not going to know it's out of range right it doesn't have a way to verify that, hey, this is the right reading. It just, as long as it's getting it, if it gets no reading, then it's going to set a circuit code. But if it's not, excuse me, it's getting a reading, but it's not the correct reading, it just has no way to know that. So it's not going to set a code or anything. It just doesn't know that it's wrong. It just assumes it's mm-hmm. that code. And that's not something you're going to be able to look at without the the correct uh, tooling.
2: Right. All right. Well, great information, guys. I appreciate you. All right. All right. Mike, how's the uh, weather right. there in Florida? Uh, hot and muggy. <laughs> like it. I think it's like that everywhere right I know. now. <laughs> yes, sir. All I'm right, ready
0: guys, for winter. Yeah. Thanks, Thanks man. Right. bye All right. 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we'd love to have you. We were talking just a little bit about different systems on cars. Right. And some of them, I guess there's what to call the right amount of technology for the person, for the driver. Mm-hmm. And a couple of weeks ago, we had a gentleman who called, and he was asking, not necessarily about a specific car, but are the real expensive cars better cars? Uh-huh and again you have to define better because the way i define a good car is a car that gets me from point a to point b reliably and at the lowest overall cost sure that's my definition so my recommendation is going to be something like a toyota camry because it does a very very good job of getting you from point a to point b at a low cost Mm -hmm. now if you love real high-end styling Right. If you love a precision feel and to your, the car, your definition is going to be different. Your definition might be different. You might look, want to look at a, a European car. Mm-hmm. However, European cars, even though the styling is beautiful, the handling is generally very, very good, they are going to be a very complex machine. Right. And so, therefore, the repair cost, the cost of keeping this car operating are is going, going to, to be, be much higher. Mm-hmm. And you just kind of know that going in. And, again, you made the point last time we talked about it about a rolex watch compared to say a timex watch sure your cost of a timex watch is very very much lower than a rolex watch right. and it's and not going to have to be cleaned it's not going to have to be serviced they both do the same job they're both, they both tell the time. time, but some people want a rolex sure. and some people want a timex sure it's just two different devices for two different purposes the people who can appreciate the fine time uh-huh. piece are going to want this one same thing with automobiles or anything else there is probably a car out there For everybody. Sure. It's just if you get the wrong car, you're not going to be real happy. And wrong is not necessarily improperly built, it's just wrong for your application. Sure. You don't want to start trying to pull a trailer with a Ford Focus. Right. Just not going to do it. But by the same token, you can't drive a Ford Excursion and expect to get good gas miles. Exactly. It's just not going to happen. Had a gentleman who brought a vehicle in earlier in the week, Uh a 570 Lexus. Yeah. Yeah. And he was saying, well, I understand it's a good vehicle. Well, Technically, it is a very good vehicle, sure. but if you don't need all of the four wheel drive and, and the, all the, gadgets drive and the and all drive, right. all the gadgets, there are things about it. For instance, if you wear your tires down to halfway and then damage one, you got to put four tires on it mm-hmm. because you can't run one tire that's half lower than the other three because all wheel drive. Correct. So you got a feature there. That, if it's handy to you, that's a good thing. Yeah, if you've got a use for it, by all means. But there's going to be an expense involved. There is. It also has transfer case fluid and all these different maintenance items. So, just different vehicles for different people. Hey, take another quick little break. Be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. So, lie back on the couch, Ms. Bo Peep, and tell me what's got you stressed. Ugh,
1: my sheep keep getting lost. I mean, they're in the meadow one minute, and I look down at a text, and then I don't know where to find them. And they keep doing it. Let me level with you, Doc. Sheep. We're not the smartest animals. Bleh. But you, Denise, you're the exception. Look, Doc, you ever try to have a conversation with a sheep? It's a little one-sided. They just look at you with this blank look on their faces. That and the whole getting lost thing has me at my wit's end.
4: I can't really help you with losing sheep, but I can tell you how to get a little peace of mind. Do like me and take your car into Agco Automotive once a year for a general inspection. They check everything out and perform maintenance on what you need to keep your car running right and it saves money in the long run. Ooh.
1: With the money I save, I can buy some shock collars to keep those little half-wits in one place. <laughs> Denise, you know I wouldn't do that to you.
3: Get your own peace of mind and schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go
5: noise off the river to a ride don't mind it cause
0: the man hey, went the welcome back if you join us the automotive hour i'm your host lewis aldizan with mr brian terry hey tools we'll try to answer any automotive questions you may have just give us a call it's 291-6901 that'll get you straight to us and you happen to be out of the area you can always use our area code here which is 225 and that will get you straight to us there you go couldn't be any easier than that we're talking just a little bit about cars and, and what one person may consider a good car another person may not uh-huh most of the people that I know consider a car they don't have to spend a lot of additional money on as a good that's car. a good car. Yeah. And and there are probably people who don't see it that way at all. And it's just that the folks who listen to this show, because that's the kind of information we provide right. tend to see things that way. And thus those type of people, because that's my approach to cars, tend to do business with me. So those are the people I get to know better. Guy who, hey, money's really no object, you know, he's lighting cigars with hundred dollar bills he's yeah. probably not going to bother uh, with me very much because that's not the experience that I'm going to provide. Correct. You know, it, it doesn't make it good or bad one way or the other. It's just two different people and so on. But the time to address these sorts of issues is before you buy the car. Sure. Because once you get to a dealership to buy a car, new car, used car, a there's of, a lot of factors that yeah, there start to is. enter in there. And they are in the business of selling cars. Right. And they're going to overwhelm you with all this information about all the cool things this car can do. And it does sound really cool when it's explained from one side. Sure. And that's one reason we always try to provide get the a lot side. of other, we try to provide other information. Because the, how cool this is, and this is brand new, and this has got new technology. You know, technology is neither good nor bad. It's good if it helps you. It's bad if it just adds complexity. Correct. And doesn't help you. And so making the proper selection beforehand, Right. do your research before you go over there and make up your mind what you want to get before you get there and stick with it. And do not allow them to show you anything else. Do not ask to see anything else. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're comparing vehicles and you see one that does a lot of stuff and one that doesn't do as many things, you're going to be automatic, because of the way a human mind works, you're going to be more impressed with one that does more stuff. Sure. You're not going to reason out that well all this stuff I don't need. Right. All this stuff I really don't want. It's and just one, stuff. Well, one day this stuff is going to break and it's the way be maintained. Right. The way cars are designed today if something is especially in a module, if you let's say you have a navigation module, you have a navigation screen in the dash. Mm-hmm. It was an option. You mm-hmm. got it. Well, on certain the Honda we did the other day, the navigation module went out. Right? Well, when it did, it took the bus line down, which meant that none of the other modules in the vehicle could communicate with it. So the vehicle shut down. Right. And it's not one of those things that you can say, hey, I'm just not going to fix that. Well, you have serious diagnostic time involved, plus a very expensive part involved. Yeah. You may have been better off just to go down and buy a little standalone GPS right which put I mean, it on the dash you, and... you can buy a smoking gps oh, for a couple hundred bucks i mean the one i got cost 89 i've been using it five years and the beauty part about it is if you change vehicles you unplug it you put it in the other vehicle and, well, and take off sometimes i want to bring my truck to new orleans well i just take put it in truck right and i can swap it back and forth and even to me the even better part is if it does go out Five years, it costs $89. bucks. i am not – it doesn't owe no. me anything. I'm going to throw it in the garbage and get another one. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> just like it, you know. Right. It's it's one of those things that you're not involved in a whole lot of complexity to do a very simple task. But you can select a lot of this kind of stuff. Unfortunately, there's a lot of stuff that's just built into the design of the car. That you have no where You have to... no way to know. right? And you get it, and generally you don't even know about it until after Some... – it break, like right something presses, happens had a little ford come in just this week right right and the windshield wiper went out now you well, the, would think how simple is this well you know it's set up just like most vehicles it's got a wiper for the passenger side a wiper for the driver's mm-hmm. side and the way it's set up they kind of overlap each other right you know one wipes from the one one side and the other one wipes from the other side and so, you so know, to look at it to look just at it, like you would think it's system right right but when you start into it it has two separate motors. Right. Instead of a one motor and a linkage to the other side, like cars have had for, for the, the last hundred years. years, it has two separate motors in it. Mm-hmm. And what it does is the, when you turn the switch on, the body computer decides whether you need wipers or not. Right. It sends a signal to the driver's side. The driver's side motor has a dedicated serial data to the passenger side motor. They coordinate so the blades don't hit together. Mm-hmm. And that's how it wipes the windshield. Right. Now, why? It's getting an input from the speed sensor. It's getting an input from the, the steering, steering angle sensor. sensor. Right. The range sensor, the body control module. There's there's like eight different inputs to this just to make the wipers work. Which means you're going to have to have something like a forward IDS scan to, to even to begin sure. diagnosis. Because if either motor goes out, it's going to quit working. Right. Because if the left one goes out, it can't command the right one. If the right one goes out, it's going to probably take the left one down. Most likely. So there's no redundancy. There's no real benefit. It's simply complexity for complexity sure sake sure i mean this is going to take a trained professional with all the proper tooling and all the proper service equipment about an hour just to figure out what's wrong right he's gonna to have to understand it before you can even get in you know start diagnosing well, it. and because it's different from anything else it's not information you're gonna to have top of mind no you have to go and look all this up how does this system operate why is it do this why is it getting these signals I mean, something like a steering angle position sensor. Maybe somebody did a front-end alignment, didn't Didn't reset reset the wheel, and now the windshield wipers don't work. Exactly. Now, who's ever going to relate those two, you know? (laughs) So the point is there can be a huge, incredible amount of complexity built into a car, and it looks exactly like, on the outside, like well, every other car yeah it's doing the same job i mean it's wiping the windshield and until it breaks there's not a whole lot you're going to know for instance we were talking about some of these cars with the ride control and all uh-huh. that and they may have hydraulic or air driven shock absorbers on and it tightens suspension under certain conditions and loosens on it and the average driver is not ever going to know this system's on there nope until check suspension light comes on or the car drops down lower, goes up high or whatever, and you bring it to shop and it's $4,000 to fix it. Right. That's your first warning that that was even on the car. <laughs> and, of course, most people's first response, well, can't we just disarm that? Right. can we do without it? Well, you can't. No. Because it's integrated into the car, and, I mean, it's going it rely on every piece of the car. So, yeah, yeah you, it's, it's just one of those deals where right you have all these modules talking back and forth you know the suspension has to know what the driver's doing so you've got modules communicating through the whole system mm-hmm. that's the way it's designed yeah very very complex let's go back to our phone lines we have got Sheila online good morning sheila hey sheila you there can you hear me yeah go ahead right. we're having a little trouble there
5: can you hear me now yes ma'am, yes, ma'am. Uh-huh. Oh, okay i say good morning guys <laughs> good, good morning to you <laughs> okay I have a question for my 2015 Ford Edge. Uh-huh. I had a problem locking the lift gate uh-huh. with the key fob. Okay. So I took it back to the dealership. This was maybe about four or five months after I purchased it in January of 2016. Uh huh. And so what they did, they told me they put a new lock on the lift gate. Okay. And I just haven't taken it back, but it's, it hadn't worked okay do you have any suggestions well um, you,
0: you should still be under warranty right. on that sheila so i would definitely go back and just tell them hey look okay. the repair you did because you should get a no cost repair on that and i mean there are it's a pretty complex system. there's any number of things that can make it work oh, or not okay. work one of the things there's I'm trying to think we did run across this problem not too long on the Ford, and i'm trying to remember what it was it was something about it didn't know that it was locked even though it was locked and so it thought it was unlocked when it was locked, so it wouldn't unlock. And okay. I, I don't remember. It was some kind of a sensor or something that was in there. But oh, okay. But I, I would bring it back to them and just hold their feet to the fire. Sure. Because you already paid for it. You paid, paid for, the for the that fire. warranty. You know I mean? Even though you said, no, it was unwarranted, that warranty was including the price of the car when you bought it. You know, you, right. Well,
5: the first time that they put the new locking thing uh-huh. on there, there was no charge. Right. Right. I well, just,
0: and see, the thing is, there was a charge because exactly. you paid about $4,000 more for that car. Than you would have to cover all that warranty, <laughs> yeah. So it's in there. Nothing's ever free. You know, it's it's in there. They just oh, add it to I the know. price of the car. <laughs> so you should expect the same exact level of service under warranty you would if you were paying out of pocket because you are paying okay. out of pocket. You just paid up front. But yeah, I would take that right. back to probably some kind of a sensor. It may be that it thinks the door is locked or thinks the door is unlocked. It's a fairly complex thing. It runs through the body control module and it's looking at all the different things. But if only one, like if the doors still work. And just the lift gate doesn't it's probably something peculiar to it, which would most likely be the sensor that tells it it's locked,
5: well, Lewis, the lift gate will lock let's say mm-hmm. like the car is running, mm-hmm. which I'm in my car now. if I were to get out mm-hmm. and go and try to unlock it with the little latch, it wouldn't, so it works when the car's running. <laughs> mm-hmm. but uh, I'll, I'll just take it back
0: again well see too it's got features on there for instance when it is in like gear or something like that or when it's driving it's not going to allow the, the the hash to pop open so it right, so can be works. something confused in that you know that right. it thinks it may it may think it's still in gear and driving when it's not so it's not allowing the hatch hash to open you see reality doesn't mean anything it's what the computer assumes, it assumes is reality. Is it, right. it's just looking at sensors right. so Any sensor that gives it a a false reading, it's going to assume that, hey, the car is still driving down the road, even though maybe it's not. But if it does, it's not going to allow the the hatch to open because it it thinks you're still in gear, even though you're not. So something even like the uh, manual lever position sensor sending a false signal or the wire to it where it doesn't know that you've put it in park or that that the car has stopped.
5: Okay. Well, I'll I'll take it back. All right. right. Thank you guys so much and have a great Saturday. Yes, ma'am. Thank you.
0: Bye-bye. All right. I one last quick little break, and we'll be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. Hello, you must be Glenda de Goodvich. Relax on the couch and
4: tell me what's stressing you out. Do you know how stressful it is to be good all the time? I don't want to be wicked, but sometimes I just like to not say thank you or pinch a bratty kid or stick my finger in a chocolate, and if I don't like the flavor, put it back in the box. Oh, that would be divine. Unfortunately, Glenda, I can't assist you with your goodness issues, uh, But for peace of mind, schedule an annual general inspection with Agco Automotive. They'll check out your vehicle, perform needed maintenance, and let you know about future repairs. That way, there are no surprises. Well, you definitely want your automotive repair shop to be good and not wicked. A young girl once told me there's no place like home. And I've got to go. Just bill me. I'll be somewhere over the rainbow. Toodaloo!
3: That little witch might not be so good after all. Get your own peace of mind and schedule your general inspection today at AGCO Automotive. AGCO, it's the place to
0: go. Hey, welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm Louis and president of AGCO Automotive. Got our lead tech, Mr. Brian Terry, right here by my side. Between the two of us, we'll try to answer any questions you may have. Just call us 291 yeah, And, you know, we were talking about the complexities of the of the recent automobiles that are out now, uh-huh. and you know during the commercial we were discussing the electronic transmission shifter things right. that have come out. I mean, it's almost a throwback to the '60s. You know, the the, <laughs> yeah, the Chrysler had the push button. The push button At least that was mechanical. Right, right. This yeah, is all electronic. All this stuff is electronic, and electronic things break. And I guess because I mean, people ask, well, why do they do this? And I think I what it is new features tend to appeal to a certain segment of the market. Right. And that segment of the market is getting to be a bigger and bigger portion of the market. Sure. You know, kids that grew up playing with iPhones and all this stuff, they like that kind of stuff. They like little push buttons, Uh and they like apps that do different things, whereas older folks like myself or even you to a slightly lesser degree – tend to favor more mechanical things that are more reliable right and i think as you get older you start to learn you you have more life experiences you start to see well you know all that stuff was cool when i first got it but it broke really really quick (laughs) and it cost a whole lot of money to keep it all working whereas they could have done this with a mechanical and set up and it would last forever yeah not had all those kinds of issues and everything but it's just you are driven more by your life experience, sure. and the older sure. you get generally the wiser you get although not always <laughs> and the market's being driven by a much younger, younger group crowd. of people sure and, and they like technology uh-huh. you know if you well, look, they grew up on it well you look at an iphone i mean my god how many things can an iphone do oh man i don't think you could live the rest of your life and do everything on the phone <laughs> i mean that it can do <laughs> yeah and again like i've said a hundred times on the show i'm probably the last guy in america that doesn't have a cell phone i don't have any at all so right to me my wife will show me such. such. I said, well, "What do you need that for?" Well, but look what it, look what it does. Yeah, yeah, I know. But <laughs> <it's cool. laughs> why do I want to do that? <laughs> all I can see is, you know, we're, we're sitting here fixing to see the alpha dealer. It goes, D-d-d-d-d. "You got to jump up, and go after it." I, yeah, I don't, nah. I don't I don't see the, the real advantage here. But anyway, so much about all that. But the point is, a lot of vehicles. Unless you do a tremendous amount of research, you're not going to know the features that they have on them, and what this is going to mean to sure. you down and the road again i go back to the adjustable suspensions that they stick on certain cars and you may buy a toyota 4runner that does not have any of that on it right you may buy a different model of 4runner in the same year that is loaded with that has all that stuff on uh-huh. it. it's just they choose to put it on certain models and not on other models so there's no Consistency, if everyone had it, you'd say, Well, I'm just gonna avoid that vehicle. Well, and you know, some change the model designation. They go from uh let's say the S E does not have this type right. of suspension, well the S E L may. Right. So you know you've got to kinda of look at that when you're looking at vehicles because they're on the outside they're exactly the same. They look the same. I mean down right down to the color sometimes. Mm-hmm. But they may have two different suspension packages or two different drive lines in them or, or you know. Or so multiple, you, who knows, way more than two. Right. <laughs> you you have to do your research before you go looking at a vehicle mm-hmm. to be able to get what you want. I can almost see a time coming where you're going to maybe have a consultant that you go to that helps you with all these choices. And all That's what the salesman at DealShield is supposed to do. But he's totally driven by selling you a car. Sure. And usually the most expensive car he can. Well, makes he's got a commission, commission off of it. So he wants, or at least the one that has the highest commission may not be the most expensive. Maybe mm-hmm. one they're discontinuing or whatever. But I can see where they could even be a market for someone who could give you an honest, unbiased opinion of sure. all these different features. That would be great. Yeah. And it just is so, so, so much of that. And some companies are worse than other companies. Buy it. I find Ford is really, really quick. push stuff to market and a new design that doesn't work out and then they'll drop it Uh like the dual clutch transmissions which to me was an absolute debacle offered no advantage that the owner was ever going to know but it was so complex the cost was so much higher than any other transmission even got to where most of the four deals don't even want to fool with them when they come in they to try to send you out to somebody else because they don't want to fool with them or sell you a new car or sell you another car but there's just lots and lots of that stuff on there and then as it starts to get older nobody really wants to fool with it right and because well, it's not. of very limited production and the cost of the tooling and the toss of the equipment and all that stuff to deal with it. If a shop never saw a lot of it, they're not going to buy the no, stuff They're that, not. that it would require to do a proper service job on it. So the thing is, if you have a way to watch these things, then that is buy before you buy the cars, number one, you have to make sure, am I buying a car that's practical? Mm-hmm. So you may have always wanted a little red convertible sports car, right? And if that is truly what it's going to take to make you happy, God bless you. Go well, buy your a little red means. convertible sports car. I mean, that may be what you always wanted. That's, but, that's great. But just remember, if you've got three kids, that's it's not, not going to be out. very practical. Yeah, it's only got two seats in it. Right. So three kids can't ride in it. If you want a car that is going to be a dependable car, it's probably not going to be. It's a fun car, sure, but it's maybe not going to be a dependable car. Now, the other side of the coin would be a car that is ultimately practical, but just not what you want, Mm -hmm. because life's too short for that as well. Right. You know, we had that Buick Park Avenue. I loved the car because it was very practical. It got very good gas mileage. It ran well. My wife hated the car. Right. She hated the car the day we bought it. And she was never so glad as when we got rid of it. Well, now she's got the little camera. It's all sporty and all that kind of stuff. She loves it, Uh even though it maybe. Well, it does get better gas mileage than the old Buick got by a fair amount. So there is there's that advantage. And then you had, you know, like you said, she wasn't happy. So when Mama's not happy, nobody's really happy. So that's that's, that's that's kind of way it works. And and like I always tell her, I said, baby, you know, we are equal partners in our marriage. However, when it comes to cars, I know a little bit about this. I'm going to have a <laughs> this little is more what I say do. here. <laughs> yeah, this is what I do. But you know, you can only pull that so long. Yeah. Well, after a while. It, it, yeah, it just uh, goes out the window. Yeah, best to go ahead and give on in. But, again, if, if you're looking for a car that gets really good gas mileage, you drive a lot. Right. And mileage is a primary consideration for you. You can buy one type of car. Exactly. If mileage is really not a big consideration to but you. But, say, you tow a trailer. Yeah. Then you've so, got to have something that can tow. Or if you want something for comfort, you drive long distance, you want a very comfortable car, then that's not going to be your primary concern. Uh-huh. I see we're just about out of time. we got to ready to start winding on up and getting on out of here. Likely, thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week. Tell your friends, go to your favorite broadcast or rebroadcast service, whichever that might be. Find a written review and fill it out for us. There you go. We sure appreciate it when you do that. It makes us feel good about what we're doing. It lets us know we get some positive feedback there. So at least somebody likes it. <laughs> <laughs> but more importantly, what it does is that the shows that that have more positive feedback tend to get brought up higher to the on the, the list, list when someone types in a generic term. Right. So if you type in auto, auto repair, our show will come, come up, up to the top. close to the top of the list. So more people listen. More people listen. The longer we do the show, I see we're just going random clock right on down there (laughs) hey preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry have a great weekend